another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today I'm joined by Dr. Barbara Goff. Barbara is the chair of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the University of Washington and a very experienced mentor and sponsor. I invited Barbara here to talk with us because several months ago now, actually, she gave an outstanding talk about mentorship, coaching, and sponsorship. And so I thought it would be great to talk about this a little bit more. So welcome, Barbara. Trish, thanks. It's so great to be here. Um, I'm actually going to start with that that first topic that was kind of the distinctions that, that we make. You know, we talk a lot about mentoring and mentorship, but in this mix, you also talked about sponsorship. So could you just begin by talking with the folks who are listening about What's the difference between those things? Yeah, so I think, you know, the way I kind of think about it, sort of down and dirty, a coach is somebody who tells you what to do. A mentor is somebody who talks with you about maybe what you should be doing and sort of gives you advice. But a sponsor is somebody who talks about you to other people and really focuses on promoting your career. And I think for a long time, we focused a lot on, you know, you need to find a mentor, you need a mentorship team, but people often overlook the importance of having a sponsor, somebody in a position who can really promote you uh, and your career. And so I think people need to be a little bit more intentional about seeking out sponsors in addition to seeking out mentors. So let's, let's pursue that a little bit more. So let's say I am a junior faculty member and I'm, I'm searching for mentors, but I'm also want to engage someone in, in being a sponsor for me to put my name forward, to suggest I give a talk or, or whatever those things are. How do I approach that? How do I find those people? Yeah. So I think you want to look at people who are in leadership positions, either within your institution or within your specialty society. And for me, that was how I really gained, um, uh, sponsors is that I worked, uh, you know, within my specialty society to identify people who I thought uh, I thought like me and uh, who were willing to promote me within the society. Um, and sort of the way, you know, it, it, you know, a mentor is somebody who's like, well, you know, have you thought about like, you know, uh, being on the speakers panel? And a sponsor is somebody who's like, you should be on this speakers panel, and I'm going to talk to the organizer and recommend it. And so it really needs to be somebody who is in a senior or leadership position, who's willing to almost put their reputation a little bit on the line for you. Um, And why it's really important if somebody sponsors you, you must absolutely follow through or you'll never get sponsored uh, again by that person. And so it's really important that you fulfill that commitment if you've asked somebody to sponsor you to do something. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Having served as a sponsor for many people, I agree with the fact that I want them to follow through on whatever opportunities they're given. Um, one thing that we talk about sometimes is, is, the, is the idea of managing up. And what do you think about people asking, actually asking more senior people to sponsor them? Hey, I, think, I think it's really important and we don't do it. And I would say particularly women are really, really bad about asking more senior people to say, hey, I, I there, there's this committee that I really want to be on. And, and that's part of being an effective mentee or a sponsoree uh, is that you identify what it is that you want. And then you pick people and you say, this is the committee I think I'd really do a good job on. I'm really excited about this. Could you put my name forward? 
that is really how you want to think about uh, about sponsorship um, because you know mentors are just kind of like oh maybe you should do this but sponsors are the ones who are going to actually talk to somebody they're going to talk to the person who's responsible for making those committee assignments and say hey I've worked with Barbara you know she's a hardworking faculty member she gets her work done on time she's going to be a great committee member and that's what I try to do for my faculty but I do ask them to bring me the things that we, they want to do, because it, it's it's really hard, particularly as a chair of over 100 faculty members, to know what everyone's passion is. And so I really do rely on people to say to me, hey, would you be willing to like reach out to the you know incoming president of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, who I happen to know well, and could you make a recommendation for me? I think that's so important to hear, because I often say the same thing to people, manage up. Put it out there what you need and would like for them to do for you. And you just said, I find it better when people come to the table and say, hey, could you do these things for me? Because it's easier to focus your efforts of sponsorship. So I think it's a really absolutely. important message. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. And it's it just more efficient with my time. It's like, okay, this is the one thing I want to do, or these are the three things I want to do. And so I can, as a sponsor, then focus on those things rather than thinking, oh, what should you know, what should Dr. So-and-so do? If they come to me, it's much, much easier for me to sponsor them. Yeah, I agree. And I think for the folks who are listening, who are like, oh, I'm that senior person now, maybe I could sponsor people. Make the make the space open for people to, to make those requests to you so that you can do those activities. I, I realized somewhere along the way where it was like, there were times I was being asked to do things and the best thing I could do was say, here's a junior person who could do this for you. And I endorse her or him, and I think they would be perfect for this. I could sponsor them, and I could also not keep giving the same talk that I had given a hundred times. Yeah, and it, and and it passes that it passes things along to other people. I, I think that that's really that's really that's really key for us to be doing as mentors and sponsors. And I think also if you are a mentor, you want to say, how is it that I could also be a sponsor? Uh, because yeah. mentor often knows their mentees work so much better than anyone else. So it, it's important for you to, it, to push those people out there. Because honestly, if my mentees do well, it makes me look, it makes me look so much better. And I get so much satisfaction out of doing that. So it's kind of just a win-win, you know, situation. And particularly as, you know, in academic medicine, as we go up from, say, associate to full professor, the people who you've mentored and the, you know, the positions that they've achieved and the papers that they've written, they become as important uh, as that, uh, as the AMP committee looks at your application, the fact that you've given back, that you've, you've brought people along with you is just a really uh, important part of our promotion uh, process, at least here at UW. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you, you made an interesting distinction. You said earlier, like, you might find people in a society or a large organization that you know who are leaders who you might ask to sponsor you for stuff. But it also, your mentor can definitely wear a sponsor hat at the same at the same time. So let's let's shift gears and talk about mentors and mentoring a little bit. I feel like um, when I've heard you talk about this, there are some things that you think are kind of keys to being a good mentor. So you want to walk through some of those things with me? Yeah, I think I think the most important, well, several things. I, I think it's really important for mentors to be good listeners. I mean, we all want to jump to the solution and like, oh, if you just do this, this is but but I think letting people talk through, you know, what are their challenges and really listening to people, I think is really it, it, it's really key because a lot of times 
your mentee will figure out the solution just by talking about it. And you don't want to over talk, you know, you, you don't want to talk over them. And I think that that's really important. Um, it's really important to have regular contact. You know, I would say at least once a month, you have to be meeting with your mentee. If you're a good mentor, you're going to make time to do that. You also need to make sure that your mentee's work um, doesn't go to the bottom of your list. It, it's got to rise to the top. And I, I know it's always challenging because there's always, you know, our orca charts have to get filled out or epic charts need to be closed. But you really have to say, okay, my mentee gave me this. She needs feedback within a week. I'm going to get her feedback as soon as possible. And so that is really, I think, um, important. I also think that uh, recognizing that life outside of work has such a huge impact. I mean, particularly now we look at COVID and we look at all of these young parents who are school homeschooling their kids and, you know, doing the online thing, you know, kind of talking a little bit about what's going on at home and, you know, how do you troubleshoot this and, I think those are really important roles that, that mentors play. I also think in academic medicine in particular, dealing with failure um, is a really important role for a mentor because, you know, let's be honest, our grants don't get accepted, our, uh, you know, our papers get rejected, our patients die, we have bad complications. And so being able to help managing failure and figuring out a way to fail up, we talk about manage up, but failing up is another really important thing is taking that failure, taking that, you know, grant that was not funded, looking at your pink sheets and being, okay, like, how can I, how can I redo this? And really, you know, not letting your mentee sort of get down in the dumps uh, about things. I think another really important thing for mentors is helping your mentees, you know, not get overcommitted and saying no to things that don't make sense for their primary goals. So when I have somebody whose primary goal is to get a KOA and they come and they say, oh, I want to be on the admissions committee for UW. I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. It's, it's not going to get, it's not going to go with your primary aim. Right. And so you have to say, you have to help people uh, stay focused and then also realize there are sort of un, uncontemplated possibilities. And I would say for me, many of my mentors, they're like, Hey, you know, had you thought about, you know, maybe you should be president of this organization? I was like, I don't ever thought about that before. And then, so that's part of your other role is, is being a good mentor is, is those are, those are the things that I think are most important the things that I try to do for my mentees. I think that's a great list. I, I relevant to the one about saying no, I had a colleague who suggested that not only can the mentor help the person decide what to say no, but also give them a little bit of an out so that if they're invited to do something, they can say, oh, I'd really love to be a part of this. I ran it by my mentor or my mentoring committee and they really think I need to focus right now so that the, the no comes from the mentor too, which I think is a nice strategy. Yeah, I tell my mentees, they can always use me as an excuse. Like, no, <laughs> Dr. Goff is the one who said no. I really was advocating for it, but no, she said no. So, you know, they can blame me. So, yeah. I like that strategy. I think it makes it easier for a lot of our folks who want to say yes to everything because that's who they are to help them keep that focus that you're talking about. Yeah. And so, and, you know, as we were talking about the difference between mentor and sponsor, I mean, I think to be a good sponsor, I think really you're, you know, there, there are different roles and your role is to influence, introduce your mentee to influential people. It's really advocating for them to be, you know, on speaking, you know, in speaking positions, writing, maybe writing the review article, 
being on a, on a panel or being on a study section and, uh, you know, really uh, trying to promote your mentee uh, in those areas. So it's a much more active, uh, active role. And so I think some mentors don't understand that there's a big difference between being a mentor and, um, and, and, being, a, and being a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be complementary within the same thing, but there's a lot more that goes into the mentoring role. I think that's a, an outstanding list. And I, I'm just going to come highlight, you said start with listening. And, and, yeah. and, and then here, let them kind of play stuff out. And then I think I heard a lot about helping focus, advocacy, opening doors, having people open their eyes to the op- options that they might have, I think. And regular, those- co- regular oh, contact. Thank you. Yes. And regular <laughs> that's meeting. so important. If your mentor's not meeting with you once a month, then you're, you're not, that's not a great mentor mentee relationship. Yeah. And I often say to folks, if, as if you're being asked to be a mentor, if you can't commit that, then you're not, you shouldn't be saying yes to that opportunity because Agree that's not 100%. A yeah. Um, are, do you, so I think that's a misstep. If you commit to being a mentor, but you really don't have the time or the bandwidth to do it, you're doing nobody a favor by saying yes. Yeah. Are there any other common missteps that you think people have as, as mentors? Well, again, sort of with, without regular contact, but then not reviewing your mentee's work in a timely fashion. I think that that's another, you know, that's kind of called the, called the sort of bottleneck uh, misstep. Step. Um, hijacking any of your mentee's ideas. Like you've ever have a mentor who hijacks your ideas like that's like just that's malpractice. Like that should never happen. And you need to terminate a relationship where a mentor is actually taking your ideas and using them, you know, for uh, for their own. And I think another thing that mentors do is they have this tendency they want to be liked, and so sometimes they can have protective hesitation. And so what that means is that you you don't give the constructive feedback that should be given because you're worried your mentee isn't going to like you and you do not do your mentee any favors by not telling them that a behavior isn't right or that this work isn't you know isn't 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 working and so you have to be as a mentor as a mentor you have to be willing sometimes to have difficult conversations with people that you truly care about kind of like your kids i mean you gotta you gotta say like hey you know this this isn't working out so well and so I think that's a common mistake that mentors make is that they're like, oh, I really like this person. So I'm not going to tell them what I really think about this. And you got to get over that as a mentor because you don't do your mentee any good um, by doing that. Yeah, you're doing them a disservice by not reflecting yeah. back. I think that's super helpful. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit because I think some of the listeners might be saying, I'm not ready to be a mentor. I'm a mentee. And I'm wondering you know, I'm trying to find a mentor and I'm wondering how to be as good a mentee as possible. And we've kind of talked a little bit about this. If you get a sponsor, if someone sponsors you to take on that opportunity with full energy and passion, but do you have guidance for folks who are junior and, and in the mentee role about, you know, how to get the most out of that relationship? Yeah, absolutely. I first, I think the first thing is, is don't come and just say, oh, well, I need a mentor, right? You need to really be specific about what your needs are. Um, you know, you may need sort of somebody to help you with career advice, or you might need somebody to help you mentor you through, you know, the, the, the specific aims of your grant or the statistical approach. And so you really need to think about what do I need? What am I missing? And what do I need to be successful? Because 
then people in senior positions can be like, oh, this would be a good mentor for this per this piece of this, or this would be a good mentor. So I think you need to be specific about what you want uh, and what you need. I think it's important that uh, uh, you take ownership of whatever project uh, you have as a mentee and that it's important to understand that the mentor can't do your work for you. They can advise you, but you really have to take ownership of, of your project. Um, I think, you know, common sense stuff, be on time, print your appointments, don't cancel your appointments, get your work done on time. You know, they say, you know, if you're a mentee, under promise and over deliver. So if you said you'd get something, you know, to your mentor in two weeks, try to get it in 10 days and that, they'll, they'll love that. And then I think, you know, it's important to be engaged, take an interest in your mentor's life. It's a two-way street. And the more you have in common and the more you engage, the, the more help your mentor will be. And then I think finally, it's important to say thank you because mentors do this, you know, they don't get a lot out of, I mean, it, there's a lot of personal satisfaction, but it is important to say thank you. Yeah, I think that maybe that's a good life lesson in general. Yeah. Uh, I have often, relevant to kind of the be engaged and show up and get stuff done. I, I have had a couple mentees who after we meet each time would send me a summary of what we discussed, which gave them an opportunity to include in that what their asks of me were. And I found that to be such a nice behavior from my mentees to say, here's a summary of what we talked about. And here's the three things you said you would do, Trish. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's great. Please send that to me. Yeah, I think another thing that is, is really helpful is if mentees come with an agenda of the yes. like, you know, three things are like, these, these are the problems I'm having. This is what I really, this is what I need to get out of this meeting today. And then, you know, if there's time for other stuff, it's great. But then we really focus on what are the, what are the main issues? What are you having a problem with? You know, what can we, what can we solve? How, how do I, you know, do you need to be, do I need to promote you in something? And so I think coming prepared to a meeting and really understanding what it is that you want to get out of that meeting uh, is very helpful. In fact, there's been research that shows that that's a really productive way, particularly in business. If you look, read Harvard Business Review, when they look at successful mentor-mentee relationships, it's the mentees that come prepared with an agenda and say, these are the three to five things I have to get out of this 30-minute meeting. Um, it, it makes everyone more productive. Totally agree. Um, I have one more kind of area that I just want to touch on, and you alluded to it a little bit at the beginning, which is one mentor versus many mentors. Cause you said, you know, you're going and asking about, can you mentor me on my teaching skills or you can mentor me on my work for my specific aims or whatever, or, you know, be my research mentor or whatever that is. Uh, I think I know the answer, but I'll ask you specifically, do you think the model of a single mentor or multiple mentors in general makes sense when yeah, there's, actually, the there's actually been a fair amount of research on this. And I, I think, you know, what people have concluded is that it's very rare that one mentor can do it all. And that um, generally mentorship teams uh, provide a more successful and a more balanced mentorship model. And that way, if something happens to a mentor, you've got other people that you can fall onto, or if you have a conflict with one of your mentors, uh, you don't have all of your eggs in one basket. And so I do think if you are lucky enough um, or you can cultivate uh, a number of mentors, uh, I think that that is, you know, really a, a good thing. And, and, and I think in academic medicine, most of us need a clinical mentor. And then if we're an educator or a researcher, 
we're going to need mentors in, in, those, in those fields as well. And, and generally, they're not going to be the same people uh, who are going to be able to mentor in, 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 both of the, in both of those areas. So I do think it's good to have, you know, a number of people be part of a, of a mentorship team. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it's super rare to find that one person. Maybe that happens occasionally, but yeah, think- occasionally it does. Yeah. Um, I think we've packed a ton into this conversation. I'm wondering if there's any last pearls that you wanted to share with folks about this kind of global topic of sponsorship and mentoring. Yeah, I, I would just say that, um, you know, a lot of people don't think they need a mentor. And, and I would just say that, I mean, even clinician clinicians, um, you know, who, who may not have a, you know, scholarly um, area of either education or research, everyone does better with a mentor. The times where I have been unsuccessful in my academic career have always been at times where, you know, for whatever reason, I didn't think I needed a mentor or I didn't have a mentor or I was too lazy to find a mentor. And that's when my academic career really stumbled. Uh, and so I, I just think I just think for people to say, oh, well, I don't need a mentor because I don't do research. The, 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 the reality is, is that everyone can use a coach or a, a mentor or a sponsor. And so we should be seeking those people out throughout uh, our career. And I would say even now at my stage, you know, as a department chair, I really rely a ton on peer mentorship. And we haven't really talked a lot about peer mentorship, but, um, you know, there are not a whole lot of people, you know, above a department chair, I guess it's deans and, and, and you know, are, but, but I really am so appreciative of the other department chairs that I am friends with who do peer mentorship, who I'm, you know, who can counsel me, uh, and so I think that that's another really important avenue is the whole peer mentorship uh, aspect. I might have to have a new Th- Thrivecast episode focused on peer mentoring because I couldn't agree with you more. And I think my, my job is actually more satisfying and gratifying in addition to potentially being more successful when I have mentors. And I often also have many peer mentors, which make a huge difference. Um, Listeners, you may have to tune back in for us to talk about that <laughs> another time. Happy to, happy to do so, because it, really, it is really important. I agree with you completely. Uh, Barbara, thank you so much for all the wisdom you have imparted. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, and I'm confident our learners will, our learners, our listeners will learn a lot, or our learners will learn a lot <laughs> by listening. To listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find them on the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.udubmedicine.org. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.